All right, I'll give you a nod there, Chris. So um, last week, we started a brand new series called Stay Positive, and we need this. Wow, the Lord knew that, right? This, it, it's hard to stay positive when you see what's going on. You need us to be negative. And last week, we talked about being an optimist, and we said we all want to be optimists, and I am an optimist, and here's eight reasons why. And an optimist on our feelings or our current circumstance or what's happening. Optimism is, when the world thinks of it, it's based on that. It's like, I think good things are going to happen. My optimism isn't based on good things happening. It's based on what the Word of God says. Does that make sense? The process of restoring all things onto himself. He is in the process of making Romans 8, and you'll see a lot of the things that we talked about. We also have uh, the sermon online, but I think it's very important to realize that we're optimists because of God's word, not people's behaviors. Okay? So, I, I can't control what other people do or say. All I can do is, is control my attitude and my heart in the situation. And, and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's all we can do. And a lot of stuff has happened this week. A lot of stuff, and, and I wasn't, you know, I had all this message planned and everything else, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you like a two-part message here. This is message A, okay? <laughs> and this is, this is relevant to what's happening right now. And, and I went through a, a lot of, you know, watching that video and, and watching reactions to this. I went through just about every emotion that you can imagine uh, seeing that. It was horrible. It was horrible. And, and, um, uh, I didn't post a lot out there. Um, I didn't have like any revelation that I felt like I needed to share this and it'll make the world better. Uh, sometimes I have to process things and cool off before. And that's a good thing. Amen. It's not good. In fact, the word of God says not to respond in anger. Um, but it also says that you can be angry and sin not. Okay. So anger is not the definition of sin. It's our response to it, how, how we handle it. That matters. And um, there's, a, there's a young African-American pastor that I've started following recently, and he's dynamic. He's, he's a very good speaker, and he has a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and his name is Mike Todd. And, and I saw this video of him saying this, and he uses a scripture, and I'm going to get to that scripture here in a second because I think this is deeply important for us to understand. And he was talking about racial reconciliation, the idea of us getting along. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> and uh, he comes from a, a downtown uh, church that used to be about 250 or so, and he, he's grown it, God's grown it through his grace. We know that Jesus is the one that, that built the church. But through his story, a number of weeks ago, I learned the story of Tulsa that I didn't know about, and, and maybe some of you are unfamiliar with this. They didn't teach this to me when I was in school. Um, I, I'd never heard about this before. But in Tulsa, Oklahoma, around 1921, I think it is, you can look it up on Wikipedia or anywhere now. There's a lot of information on it. There was a situation that erupted an area in the city that was primarily black residents. 
and it was known as the Black Wall Street. That was the, the name of this area. So the largest pocket of African-American wealth resided in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in this area. I mean, really nice businesses, really uh, nice establishments, really wonderful things. And uh, an incident occurred, and, and uh, there was a fight that started, and then people from even outside of the town and the city stormed the black neighborhood, burnt it to the ground. The first bomb that ever was dropped on U.S. soil was from a plane over this American neighborhood, okay? And it burned, it scorched the earth, and, and they don't have accurate numbers of how many people died, but a lot of people lost their lives, and they went through and they torched everything. Then after this, they arrested, I think, over 6,000 African Americans and put them in basically internment camps until they were released into white custody. So somebody that was white had to sign them out. This is stuff they didn't tell me when I was in school. How many of you heard this stuff? So in this city where Mike Todd is, is pastor, he was pastoring this church that was going, it's still, it's still in depression as far as financial and everything else because everything was gone. There wasn't fire insurance and this type of thing back then. There was no way they could file and get their money back. It was just an obliterated neighborhood. And the curse has been over that ever since. But I believe that God is lifting the curse in that area through that church, Restoration Church. So I, I say all of this because we don't always understand the history of, of what's going on. And so people were asking him, what, what does he think about racial reconciliation? And this was before this. And they have a lot of deep hurts, as anyone would, right? They have a lot of deep pain that's involved in this. And there's generations that have been affected by this. And a lot of things were lost through this. And it's a horrendous story. And it's, it's something that people should be told about so that it isn't repeated. But here's what God says about it. If you want to open up your Bible. We're going to go to the... How many of you know you can do that when you open up God's Word? Prophecy, right? That's what they're talking about. Daniel, some of that is future. Some of that was... Uh, there's different areas of time that occurs. But we're going to look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And the subtitle in, in the Bible I'm holding says, Praise from the Great Crowd. It's page 1045 if you have a Burgundy Bible. It says this, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground in worship of God. And they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so I, I want to show you who was in this vast crowd. What does it say? It says, every tribe, every nation, and every people. Short people, tall people people, thin people, all the people, right? Everyone, every tongue. Do, do, do we all just speak one language when we get to heaven? No. I think we're going to have the understanding to speak and, and say other languages, but we're going to have different languages. You think God loves diversity on earth now? It's going to be there in heaven too, amen? We're not all going to look the same. Thank God, it'd be really confusing. <laughs> but here, here's the deal. Like, if these are God's children in front of his throne. 
then they hold inherent value. And it doesn't matter what tribe you come from, what nation you identify with. It is the kingdom of God that outstands them all. A compassion that builds community, that builds relationship. We need to look to the Bible for that because I believe the church holds the only answer, and that is God himself. If God us, he can restore us. And so instead of getting worked up and, and trying to look in all these different directions, I need to realize that the kingdom of heaven will be different than just me. It will have a lot of variety. It will have everything that we have now, every tongue and nation, are his kids. Jesus paid for them with his blood. Amen? And my darker skinned brothers in Christ are my brothers as you are my brothers and my sisters. So, that is a reality. Like, the way we look is a reality. I think that's going to last for all of eternity. But the, what, the problems that we have within that are going to disappear when we're in unity under God. And I'm an optimist when it comes to racial reconciliation because God's word says it will happen. And I see it happening in the kingdom of heaven that is here, and I know it's happening in this church. So I am an optimist when it comes to the situation that I see in the news, even though it's negative. Because I believe that the church of Jesus Christ holds the answer for it, and that is God's love for each other and respect for each other. So I showed you a few tough pictures there. There's, there's so many more. I want to show one more that I, I pulled up. Yes, thank you. So you have protesters that are forming a line to protect the police officer who is moved away from his group. You see what's happening there? This is Christ's love in action. And this happens far more often than the negative stuff that we see on the news. But it doesn't mean we can ignore the negative stuff. We have to evil for evil and call it what it is but then be as a church a group that is working towards the kingdom of heaven amen and the kingdom of heaven is all nations all tribes submitted to the authority of god so i think we can be optimistic about racial tensions <laughs> but we also have to realize that it's real like there's real stuff out there there's real things that some people have to deal with that I don't have to deal with. And so I can't speak to know everyone's experience or, or have an understanding, but when I look at God's word, I see that in the end, he brings us together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ died for me, he died for everyone. Amen? So stay positive. Pray. Look to God's word for answers. Don't get caught in the idea that this is going to go on forever. Because we have an opportunity, I think, as individuals and as the church of God to show the world what it will look like eventually. Because Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is now. It's not just then. And so we're establishing it now in our hearts and our minds right now. And so how we choose to relate and how we choose to act is deeply important because we are showing God to the world. And we need to do that as best as we can. So uh, my prayers are, are with everyone during this 
difficult situation, but we need to remain optimistic and, and allow God to speak to us even in difficult times, okay? That being said, uh, there is so much more we could talk about there, but I, I want to uh, go to I'm grateful. Maybe eventually we'll have a whole series on this type of stuff, but, but right now I think we need to be positive as much as we can be, okay? So I'm grateful. Everyone say I'm grateful. Some of you said it like you were not. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm grateful. Okay. Stay positive. Let me show you a little video. Maybe you can figure out who this is. Um, there you go. Yeah, let's. <laughs> I ate a bug, I ate a bug. Chris, that is your beautiful bride. I like how it starts out with all the positive things. It's a beautiful, it was a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day right now, right? How many of you can have a beautiful day, but you can wreck it with one bad thing real quick? Yeah? Okay. I think most people can. I, I asked, this is dangerous, but I asked people on Facebook what they, uh, what are some of the most ridiculous things they've heard about complaining? Like just, re and, and one says, is my, my thermos mug is supposed to be 24 ounces, but it doesn't actually hold 24 ounces. It is less. Apparently, those marks in the cups are just approximation. Whatever. Here's, here's one of mine, okay? I'm annoyed as soon as it gets warm because my auto ice maker on my fridge doesn't keep up. You ever have that issue? Like, you keep going to get iced tea and stuff, it's all gone? Yeah, my ice consumption goes up beyond the capability of my machine. All right. Uh, this is a this is an interesting one considering, you know, COVID-19. It says, when the same person complains that people are underestimating COVID-19 and how deadly it is, then later the same day complains about how too many people are overreacting. Both complaints were prompted by moments that can inconvenience that individual. I'm kind of wondering if someone was talking to me on that one. I don't know. I think I've done that. Um, I had a friend that when we would go out to eat, they would complain about the food being too hot. All he had to do is wait a second, it would cool off. <laughs> they ordered hot food. Yeah, it's too hot. Uh, how about kids saying, I'm bored? Oh, my gosh. Or there's nothing to eat. Are you serious? Nothing in this house to eat. Uh, uh, here's one. I knew a woman that where she worked at, they would give each of the employees $500 as a Christmas bonus, which at the time was a really good amount. And each year she would complain that they weren't really giving her $500. The reason that she said this was because taxes were being taken out. <laughs> she, she never got the concept that it was a bonus. And Kim said, tell me where that place was. I saw that comment. All right, people with a Corvette or Porsche say that they won't park their car on the grass when they're told to park it on the grass and overflow. It's real rough. Uh, some people were saying how cold it was outside and how hot it is within the same week. I think some days it was that way. 
Here's one that kept popping up. The Dairy Queen ice cream is too cold. <laughs> what? Another one was saying that her mom used to complain about how much food there was at the all-you-can-eat restaurant. It's too hot without the AC. It's too cold with it. Um, uh, here's a gross one. You ready? Close your ears if you don't like gross things. My son complaining that the booger he smeared on the wall was too disgusting for him to clean it up. Yeah, this is this is one. If you've ever been married, you you understand this. Well, me complaining about my husband being in a bad mood when I'm in a bad mood because only one of us is allowed to be in a bad mood at a time, and I was in a bad mood first. <laughs> you ever get upset? <laughs> I think we have that rule. Like none of us are allowed to be in the bad. Okay. So, so we complain about things, you know, you get up this morning, you go into your closet with all, there's nothing to wear, right? Uh, it's just human nature, and I don't know, there are certain people that I talk to where it's like, I find humor in complaining, it's kind of, it can be funny sometimes, so when I talk to that person, I'm always kind of whining about something in a joking manner, but it's not good, it, it's not really being grateful, it's not a good thing, I mean, we complain about some of the most outrageous things, and I don't think it, by nature it's good for us. And, and, and this is how we are. By nature, when, when we're born, we don't have to be taught this, but we want more, we want it now, and we want it how we want it. And even if you give it to us in those ways, we're going to find some way to complain about it, especially if you live in my house and you're a toddler. Not so much a toddler, maybe one of the older ones, but that happens, Right? We all can do that, and it's so easy to see it in a child. It's so easy to see it in someone younger than us. It's so easy to see it in someone else. But the truth is, all of us probably struggle with this at, at, at one point or time. Now, how do we stop the complaining virus from going on and spreading? Because this is what happens when we complain. We, we spread our negativity to other people. And really what God wants us to do is be grateful, because we can choose gratitude over selfishness, right? We can choose gratitude. And so I want to become more grateful because I understand when I'm more grateful, then I'm actually seeing what God is doing. Because if I'm just looking around and complaining and thinking about how this isn't quite the way I want it and it's kind of really self-focused all on me, then what I'm usually missing is... of God. I'm not going to complain about that right now. I know you're all waiting for me to do it. This, I'm grateful it came back on. I'm grateful it works 90% of the time. All right. Thank God for microphones. Otherwise, I'd have no voice. Okay. But yeah, we, we need to choose gratitude. Now, I want, I want you to open up your Bible, Luke. Luke chapter 17. And I've heard this verse so many times, and I've thought about this, but I never really thought about it in this way, because when I read this verse, I kind of look at the negative, just like probably most of us would. It's Luke 17, 11 through 13, and uh, Jesus heals some people with leprosy. So verse 11, it says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, 
have mercy on us. So, you know, you think social distancing was a new thing. It was not. Leprosy existed, and it was horrible. I mean, you're talking about some of the worst disease that you can imagine living through, because what it would do is it would break off and, and stop your nerves from functioning correctly. And blood flow would stop to certain extremities of the body bit by bit. And you could be asleep and you could have a rat eat your finger and wake up with less of a hand and not know it had happened. Absolutely disgusting. It was a disease that was prevalent enough that people were very concerned about it. So if you developed leprosy, and you can look at it in the Old Testament too, they had a, a way of figuring out if you had a leprosy. You would become unclean, which meant you had to shave your head no hair, okay? And then you had to rip your clothes and you had to leave your family and you had to not get anywhere close to anybody. You had to live outside of the city. You had to be in basically a camp of leprosy people. You had to find a way to beg without going anywhere near people because you had no way to work because you couldn't touch the stuff that they touched. So you have a group of these men, and, and I'm guessing they're in different stages of this. You know, some of them maybe are already missing limbs or a nose. I mean, it's a terribly disgusting disease that really ravished the person. But you can imagine the emotional toll that it took. How many of you had difficulty social distancing this morning? Like, I saw some of you for the first time in, like, 12 weeks. And I wanted to give you hugs, so I went like this, which is weird. But I, there are other people that there were like this, it, they wouldn't receive a hug from their loved ones. They had to leave their spouses. They, they didn't get touched again. Can you imagine? Like not even being in the same presence with somebody. And everywhere they went, they had to, you know what? They had to yell out. How many of you know? Unclean. Unclean. Diseased person. Diseased person coming through. And the crowd would go, Phew. because you don't want this. You don't want what they got. And so when they're calling out, oh, master, have mercy on us, they are pleading. They are pleading because if there is any chance that their life can be restored, if there's any chance they can get back to some kind of normalcy, they want it. So they're crying out. And when I say crying out, they're probably screaming at the top of their lungs from a distance. They're probably crying out as tears are coming down their face because they want to be healed. And, and so they say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, go and as they went, I love this, because they didn't get healed right off. They had enough faith because they're like, okay, we're going to go do what Jesus said because there's, maybe there's a chance. So they start marching off towards the priest. And as they went, what happened? They were cleansed of their leprosy. And one of them, when he saw that he was whole, like he's looking down with like, whoa, my fingers grew back. I have my teeth. My nose is back. He, he, he runs back to Jesus shouting, praise God, praise God ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Interesting, this man was a Samaritan, which we were talking about racial tension before. There was racial tension between the Samaritans and the, and the Jews at the time because they were considered a half-breed to the Jews. But this man worshiped God, right? He was the one that came back. And Jesus asked him, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has not one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has... Thank you for pointing it out. I'm very grateful for all the times I'm told I'm wrong. <laughs> Didn't I heal ten men, Jesus said, right? Yeah, thank you. I I'm being grateful. There we go. <laughs> 
Jesus said, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Only one returned. And I've always focused on that. So today what I want you to do is to flip your mindset a little bit. And I want you to become the one that comes back. Okay? Because maybe, just maybe, we could be the one that's grateful. Amen? How many of you want to be the one that's grateful? How many of you want to be the one that's coming back to Jesus' feet and saying, thank you, Lord? That's, that's who I want to be. But I've realized this in me, is sometimes I will pray for things, and I will get them, and then I'll be like, cool, and not even thank God. You there? I'll pray for things, I'll get it, and then I, I just, well, yeah, of course I got it. I'm God's kid. I don't come back to him and thank him. I need to work on gratitude in my heart because every good thing comes from God. Every good thing. So three statements that will help you choose gratitude this, this day and every day. All right, number one, I know every good thing I have comes from who? God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. James 1.17 says that. We know this to be true. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shadow. He's continually to give us good things. Every good gift. So, so think about this. Everything that happens that's good, we should be grateful to whom for? God. Because it comes from him. Anything good we have comes directly from God. Here's the thing. Sometimes I think I've earned it. Sometimes I think, well, yeah, that's what happens when you make the right decision. And the truth is, God is the giver of all good things. I'm the receiver. He's the QB. I'm just catching the ball, right? Who usually gets a bigger contract? The quarterback. Loves on so well that it's just, no matter what the gift is, he's going to, okay. One-handed Odell Beckham coaches. I'm going way off track with this. But whatever is good, God throws it to you, right? Every good thing comes from him. Think about the things that God gave within the Bible. God gave Noah a plan for the ark, amen? He also gave him the ability to build and save his family. God gave the Israelites bread from heaven in the morning and fire by night. God gave David a stone to kill Goliath. Jonah, a fish to swallow him, and then he gave him shore, right? That's even better. God gave the Virgin Mary the faith to obey and give birth to Jesus. God gave the wise men a star to lead them. God gave the world the Prince of Peace and the Lamb of God, the Savior. God gives you peace that passes understanding. Whole, the Holy Spirit gives you conviction, strengthens, encourages, and gives you his word to guide you. He has given you health to bless you, friends to love you, life to enjoy. God is completely good. Amen? When will God stop being good? Never. Never. God is always good. God is good. And all the time? So everything our God does is good. And even the bad things that happen in our life, what does he do? He flips it and turns it for his good and for his glory. And that's a remarkable thing. So whenever you see something bad happen in your life, you go, hmm, I wonder what God is going to use this for. Hmm, I wonder how God is going is to use this for his glory. Hmm, I wonder how God is going to change my life for the better, even though I'm walking through this bad situation right now. So, every good thing comes from God. And number two, I will not let what I want. How many of you have some wants? I will not let what I want rob me from what I 
have. You there? I will not let what I want rob me from what I have. What happens when you want something? How many of you have a one-track mind? You know what I'm talking about? The train only goes one way. How many of you have run into None of you have that. I know everyone else you see has that, though. <laughs> everyone else you see, they, they're like, man, it is lunchtime, and my stomach hurts, and I want out of here, and I, mm, I'm going to get hangry with everybody. You know anybody like that? It's what they want is robbing them of what they have. It's interesting, right? You can look around at what other people have, and you can say, well, then I used to like this, but now I don't want it anymore. We have this thing that happens in our household occasionally. When I say occasionally, it's almost daily. Man, my kids are not going to like me when they find out I talk about them all the time. <laughs> That's not fair. Have you heard that? That's not fair. They have this idea that everyone can get the same thing, the same amount. So if one person has a lollipop, then who has to have a lollipop? Everyone has to have a lollipop, right? Well, if that other person had the lollipop earlier, then they want a lollipop when that person's having a lollipop. Now we have two lollipops in the equation. So now everyone has to have, what, two lollipops, right? Because it's not fair. Also, it's funny when it's happening with kids, as long as it's not your kids. <laughs> it's frustrating when you're yourself having to deal with it and you're trying to figure out, well, I got to cut the donut this way or I have to, you know, everything has to be perfect because it's not fair. So I will not let what I want rob me from what I have. God has given us a lot of good things. The truth is, sometimes we forget them. Ecclesiastes 6, 9 says this, better what the eye sees than the roving appetite. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's like chasing the what? You ever try to chase the wind? It wins. <laughs> it wins. We don't. It's like chasing the wind. You cannot catch up to what your desires are always changing to. And, and, and it's so true. Like, no matter what you have, you'll see something else. And if you're not grateful for what God has given you, you will not think it's enough. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Interesting, because grateful people are happy. It's not happy people that become grateful. It's grateful people that become happy. Think about that. Like, my happiness, a lot of the times, can be messed up by what I don't have. And then the truth is, when I get what I worked so hard for, or I think I worked hard for, when I get what I wanted, how long am I pleased with that? If I just had this, if I just had this car, if I, if I didn't have that car, if I had a truck now, well, then I'll see someone else with a nicer truck, and then I want that truck, right? Or, you know, my car, if it was just this way or that way, or if, you know what? Eventually, it has to end, and we have to say, thank you, God, for what you've given me. Every good thing comes from you. Thank you, God, for the availability that I have of a car that gets to where I want to go. Amen? Because that's what it's supposed to do. Thank you, Lord, for every good thing that you've given me. Thank you for the three meals a day. Thank you for the job. It's interesting because some people used to complain about having to go to work, and then they had to stay home during this whole thing, and then they complained about what? Having to stay home. And now they're two weeks into being back at work, and they may be complaining about having to go back to work. 
You can't be happy sometimes because you're not grateful. Thank you, God, for the things, even if they're difficult, that you've given me, that developed me. Thank you, Lord, for every good thing that comes from you. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. And that's what God wants us to think about. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. For I've learned to be content in what? Whatever the circumstance, whatever I have, I know how to live on almost nothing or with what? It's easier to live with everything, let's be honest, right? But the truth is sometimes people that are living with everything are still not content because they have everything and they realize that this isn't the answer. So the answer to happiness isn't having more stuff. It isn't having this thing or that thing. It's having Jesus and being grateful. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I don't know how that ended up in there, but it's so true, isn't it? I can do all things through who? Christ who gives me strength. So think about this. I I want you to say this with me. I can be grateful through Christ. And and, and now now the person sitting next to you can hold you to that. (laughs) Emily goes, good. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay, here's here's what I talked about a second ago. And this is going to clarify this a little bit. So here's number three. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. Why? Why would I want to turn every blessing I have into praise? Because every blessing I do not turn into praise, I turn into pride. Okay? I don't know if you're wired this way. I think most of humanity is. We like to look at the good things in our life and and think that we've deserved it, we've we've earned it, we've worked hard for it. And, And maybe we have. We've done those things. But realize your very ability to work hard, your very ability to sit down and even read words on a page, some of that is God-given. You didn't start off there. You have worked hard to get there, but the truth is you still had natural ability given from whom? God. So we need to look at the circumstances in our life and realize, hey, you know, God has blessed us. God has I'm grateful for the ability that I have. I'm grateful that I can stand up in the morning. I can dress myself. I can, I can drive a car. There are a lot of people in the world that haven't been blessed the same way that I've been blessed with even simple things that I take for granted. So when I start looking at the things in my life, and I'll go, well, the reason I have that is because I made a wise financial decision here. Yeah, but where did that wisdom come from? All wisdom comes from whom? God. So when I start claiming things as my own and say, well, and then I start looking at other people and go, well, if they just got their life straight like me, then they could have I am doing the wrong thing. I am turning the blessing that God has given me into pride in my own heart and life. What happens to the proud man in God? You know, pride becomes before a what? A fall. I'm telling you, if you are not grateful for the things that God has given you, if you do not thank him for the blessings, he may allow his provision to dry up a little bit. He may allow you to experience a little want so that you realize how good you had it. Have you ever realized that? You don't realize how great it is to have running water in your house until you don't have it. You don't realize how great it is to have a toilet in your house until it's gone. 
And you don't realize how wonderful it is to be able to get water almost instantly from wherever you are until you're thirsty and in the desert. And sometimes God will place you in that situation so that you understand that every blessing comes from him and you need to turn that blessing into praise. Because when you turn the blessing into praise, you're opening the availability for more blessing to be given to you because you're taking responsibility in the right fashion for it. You're not thinking you've earned it and you're being grateful because when you're grateful for the gift that God has given you, he opens up more gifts for you because he knows he can trust you. Kids, you've done this before too. If you give your kid a nice thing and then they just destroy it two days later, how many of you are going to give them the same thing again? Uh-uh, no way. You want that, you have to pay for it, right? Think about it. This is how, this is just the natural principle that God has in play. Every blessing I have, I will turn into praise so that it doesn't turn into pride. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 63 verse 4 says this, I'll praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands to you and what prayer and this is thanksgiving i'll praise you as long as i live lift my hands up to you in prayer i will be fully satisfied that's what it goes on to say i'll be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods with singing lips my mouth will praise you i'll praise you because of every good thing so hey if you go through the drive-thru after this in mcdonald's or if you go home and make a bologna sandwich praise god for it amen Thank God for what he's given you, because he's given that to you. It's interesting how perspective can change things. How many of you have found yourself complaining over something that's really insignificant? Like I, I can think um, back a, a little bit before Isaac was born, when Emily was still carrying him, it was Easter Sunday, and we went to a Chinese buffet <laughs> for Easter. And I thought, this is unusual. And, and, you know, I, I'm looking at all the food, and I'm kind of wishing this was hotter, and this was better. You know, and this is, and then, you know, part of me is like, oh, it would be nice if we were at home having Easter with everybody, but we were just too busy, we weren't able to pull it off. And then Emily came up to me and said that she was having an issue. And she was bleeding profusely. And luckily, my brother John was there. I left all the kids. Yeah, and Jason was there. I left all the kids with, with John and Jason and handed him the keys to the van. We switched vehicles, and I drove her over to Riverview. And I'm not thinking about food anymore. I didn't really get to eat. I'm not thinking about food. I'm not thinking about what I was complaining about before. Everything's changed because I thought we were losing our baby. I thought we were losing Isaac. And, that, and that's what was going on. And we're sitting there in the ER room, and, and uh, it, you know, the nurses are coming in and trying to prep her for, for delivery of a dead I'm telling you. All right. And and so they come in with an ultrasound. And uh, Emily didn't want to look at it. I didn't really want to look at it, but I wanted to say goodbye. So I was like, I'm going to look. And um, I saw some movement, but then I thought my eyes were tricking me. And the whole time we're praying, you know, God, you know, heal. You know, if there's any way. But the, at the same time, like, I'm just grieving because I feel like it's over. That part's over. And uh, the nurse goes, and the surprise went, look, look. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And there's a heartbeat. Woo! A heartbeat. And 
in that moment, I was so grateful for that life. So grateful. And, and then so concerned at the same time, because what does this mean long term? You know, what, what's going to happen? But all of my complaints went out the window when I was faced with the real situation. So sometimes our complaints aren't real. Like they're just pretend they're, they're not real. Think about it this way. Yes. Pretend you've lost something. Let's say, think about this. Everyone pretend that you've lost your house. It's gone. Like you didn't know it, but somebody moved it. It burned down when we were here. That's horrible. Now God has given it back to you. Think about that. It's back in your life. You know, think about uh, your friends. They're all gone. They're, they no longer want to be your friends. Well, God has given it back to you. Sometimes the very things that, you know, we're frustrated with, oh, I got to make the repairs when I get home. I got this. I got, you know, a broken dishwasher. I actually do. But all of these things, we're like, you know what? God gave me a dishwasher that worked for seven years. God gave me a house that came with it. That's even cooler. You know, all of these things. God has given us, and, and, and we're so often to complain about the small parts of it and, instead of realizing that he gave it to us, amen? And, and sometimes the very, the very gifts that God has given us can wear us out. I understand that I have kids, but it's a blessing from the Lord no matter what. No matter how I feel about it in that moment, those children are a blessing from the Lord, and I don't want anything to happen to them. And so we, we, we come to that realization that even the things that we whine about in our mind or, or out loud, um, God has given us. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Chris, if you're going to go get Selena, you can do that now. <laughs> okay. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the what? Good things he does for me. Well, read this with me. Let's go back. I'm sorry. Let's read it all together. One, two, three. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Like eagles. Woo! Write down that verse. Okay, I'm going to give it to you again. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Write that down and say it every morning. Say it in the evening. Say it at lunch. And see if your life doesn't feel a little bit more grateful. These are the things. Some of you have been in situations where you should have died. Where disease attacked you where you did something so foolish that just one thing going this way a little bit more than that way and you're dead i don't know how i'm alive right now with the things i did as a teenager <laughs> but god is good amen he fills my life with good things I'm praying for that second one, too. My youth is renewed like eagles, even without the energy drinks. Praise God. Right? This is what God does for us. And when we have this as our mentality, if we start looking at this, instead of thinking, whoa, my knee kind of feels funny this morning. Oh, my back. You know, no. Focus on what's good that's happening. Be grateful for what he's given you. Yeah, you need to work on some of these things. But be grateful for what he's given you first. First. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Woo! Here's what we know. Amen. I will not let what I want rob me from what I have. I will turn every blessing I have into praise. Amen. 
Amen. Let's read this verse again. This is really just hitting me this morning. I don't know if it's getting you. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Let's go there. Let's read. Stand up. Something about standing up gives us energy, right? All right. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. Amen. 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 Tell somebody to say, that's for you. 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 Some of you are all like, that is for you. Amen. Hey, worship team, hop up up here. I'm going to pray. Oh, thank you, God, for your word. Oh, it just brings life. This has been a rough week, God. And I know it's so easy to focus on death and devastation destruction instead of remembering that there is a creator that's in the business of restoring. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are restoring all things first and foremost to your son, Jesus Christ, and that through the power of Jesus all have the opportunity to be reconciled with Jesus. So right now we thank you that we can have our sins removed just like this verse says. We can have it pushed away. We can have all disease removed. We can have the power of death over our life vanquished because of the power of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you give us every good thing. We thank you that my life is filled with good things. Thank you, Jesus, that everyone in here, their life is filled with good things. Lord, help us to focus on that in Jesus' name. Help us to praise you for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that we're able to gather together today. Thank you, Jesus, that you've helped us well through this whole thing. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us so many blessings, so much more than I deserve you've given me, God. Thank you for every good thing. Lord, help us to have that faith because we see all the good things you've done. We know that you continue to be the same God that you were then and you will be the same God tomorrow and that you are working all things together for good for those who are called according to your purpose. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Lord, if any of us are still carrying sin, if any of us are still carrying disease, if any of us are still carrying guilt, if any of us are still carrying depression, if anyone is carrying anxiety right now, in Jesus' name, I ask you to remove it. I ask you to restore life into our bodies, that you would give us that life that you talk about, that you would give us your mercy and your grace. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us the times where we're not grateful. Forgive us the times where we have overlooked every good thing you've given us and complained about the one thing that doesn't feel right. God, we thank you again. Oh, fill our hearts with gratitude. Help be Thanksgiving be every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.